And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Good morning, everybody. Uh, It's so great to see you all again uh, this morning. I am Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at New Covenant, and uh, it is good. It's good to connect with you uh, this morning. On behalf of myself and all of us, uh, the team here at New Covenant, I just want you to know that we love you. Uh, We are so thankful for you. Uh, We care about you. We're here for you. I also want you to know that we also hear from you. Uh, We have made our scriptures full screen this week so you can see it better. Uh, If at any time you want a screenshot or or anything like that during the message that you can remember uh, what we were talking about, it's an easy way uh, to take notes. But uh, we are glad you're here with us uh, today, spending time uh, with your church family, who you love and whom we love. Uh, We're just glad you are here. I wanted to give us a little bit of an encouragement this morning and read out of a few scriptures that with everything uh, going on in our world, with all of uh, the things with the coronavirus and the panic and the fear, I want to encourage us this morning that we can have peace in the midst of the storm. And so I want to read a scripture out of Philippians this morning. And so uh, check this out. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I want to remind us this morning uh, that we can be people of peace, that God will give us peace that uh, surpasses our understanding, that will guard our hearts and our mind. And I love this scripture because it said, instead of worrying, uh, that we can let God know in everything, you know, the good things, the bad things, with prayer and supplication, we can make our requests known to God. So I'd encourage you to do that during this time when you may feel fearful or worried or anxious about something. You can let your requests be made known and that God will give you peace because he's the God of peace, whether things are going well or right in the middle of a storm. And so I want to read you Another scripture uh, this morning that talks about that. And you'll find it uh, in Luke, nope, excuse me, Mark chapter 4. And it says this, On that day, when evening had come, he told them, Let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. And so they woke, up, woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you even care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you fearful? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? 
So I want to encourage us this morning that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this storm right now that you and I are in the middle of, that Jesus is not sleeping. He has complete control over the wind and the waves. He is in control of everything and we can find peace in him during this time. And so maybe you hear nothing else from today's message. I hope you hear the fact that we can find peace in Jesus in the midst of the storms that are in life. And so while we're going through this thing, we can have peace. We know that God loves us, that he cares for us, that he has a good plan for us. And so as we've been talking these last few weeks, we've been uh, going through a sermon series called Last Words. And uh, these are words of Christ from the cross. And, and today I'm going to be going through this material. And obviously you're not in here with me. And so I'm just going to be going through this material. But if at any point, uh, you know, you're like, oh, what did he say? Or what was that scripture again? I would encourage you to download our app. I would encourage you to find our study guide. And uh, that has all these scriptures and everything that we're going through today. Uh, And so that you can take that study guide and this week you can study out the scripture uh, for yourself. And so uh, we've been talking about the words of Christ from the cross. And today I want to read out of uh, the book of John. I want to read the scriptures uh, that we're going to be talking about today. And that's John 19 uh, verses uh, 28 through 30. It says this, After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on hyssop and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So this week, we're actually going to look at a couple of things uh, that Jesus said from the cross. The first, thing it is, uh, the first thing he said was, I thirst. And the second thing he said is, it is finished. And so let's look at, at what he said. He said, I thirst. Now, this might seem like something that maybe he's kind of complaining uh, or letting people know like, hey, I'm thirsty up here. Um, but it's not a complaint at all. He's actually fulfilling scripture uh, when he speaks these words, I'm, I thirst. When he speaks those words, I thirst, he's actually fulfilling scripture. Uh, look at what it says in Psalm twenty-two, fifteen. It says, my strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death. And so we hear we have a scripture that foretells of what Christ is going through. My strength is dried up like baked clay and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. So this idea of Jesus being thirsty, I thirst, that that he's fulfilling scripture. The, the scripture also foretold that in his thirst, he would be given vinegar uh, to drink. Look at what it says in Psalm chapter 69, verse 21. It says, instead, they gave me gall for my food and for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. So Jesus was fulfilling scripture. The whole point of him dying on the cross, he was fulfilling scripture and all these things. And we're going to talk about those here in a minute. But that was a lot of what he was doing. He was fulfilling the plan that God had for his life. And so these words, I thirst, might seem kind of odd, but he was fulfilling scripture. And he was given vinegar 
to drink. And he says something else after these events transpire. He says, it is finished. It is finished. The Greek word for that is tetelestai. It means it is finished. It is completed. It is fulfilled. And you might ask yourself, well, what exactly uh, did Jesus fulfill? What's he talking about when he says it is finished? What is the the finishing work that Jesus Christ did? What is the, the finishing work that he did while he hung on that cross? Man, I'm so glad that you're asking that this morning, because I have not just one point or two points or three points, but count them six. That's right. Six points this morning of what Jesus finished uh, when he died on that cross. So let's check them out uh, this morning. It's going to be great. Don't disappear on me. It's only six. It's not that bad. All right, here we go. The first one uh, is this. It is finished. The plan of his father concerning his sufferings was now fulfilled. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 23. It says, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. You use lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. All right, so let's check this scripture out uh, this morning. It says, though he was delivered up, Jesus, though Jesus was delivered according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge. God had a plan and foreknowledge. I like that. This word foreknowledge, get this, it means awareness of something before it happens or exists. Come on now, this is, this is God. He has foreknowledge. He is aware of something before it happens and before it exists. He knew what Jesus would go through. He knew the sufferings. He saw all of it before it existed, before it happened. He knew what would take place. And it was his plan that it would take place. He knows God knows exactly what's going on. And I have some good news for you and I today. God knows what's going on right now. God knows what's going on in our lives. He knows what's going on in this world. He knows what's going on in this, with this virus. He knows everything. And just like he had a plan, he had a determined plan for his son who would die on a cross, who would suffer through this thing. He had foreknowledge before it ever existed. God knew what would happen, how it would happen, and what was to take place. And I have some good news for you and I today. God knows what we're going through. God knows what you and I are going through. He saw it, he sees it, he understands it, and he's already out ahead of it. So I encourage you this week, you're watching me on a screen right now and that is great and I'm so thankful for this technology and there's so many good things available to us, but I would also encourage you to pull out your Bible, a pen, some paper, a journal. I would encourage you this week to go to God, the God who has foreknowledge of all that is to come. He is our best source for peace. He's our best source for guidance. The news is great. It's good to be informed and to use wisdom and discernment as we move about our daily lives. But I'm telling you, God has the answers for us because he foreknew. He knows what's ahead. He knows what's going through. I don't know what you're going through in this moment. I don't know your thoughts. I don't know your fears. I don't know your worries, but God does. I want you to know that this morning, that he has a plan for all of us. Remember, faith over fear, hope over hysteria, and peace over panic. 
Jesus, what else did he mean when he said it is finished? Well, it is finished. The prophecies of the Old Testament, which pointed to the sufferings of the Messiah, were now accomplished and answered. The prophecies of the Old Testament, which pointed to the sufferings of the Messiah, were accomplished and answered. Check these out. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. This was prophesied back in Zechariah. Look at chapter 11. It said, Then I said to them, If it seems right to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So they weighed my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Throw it to the potter, the Lord said to me. This magnificent price I was valued by them. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw it into the house of the Lord to the potter. So we see that these Old Testament prophecies that point to the Messiah are being accomplished. The fact that his hands and his feet were pierced for us, that was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. He's saying it is finished. Look at what it says in Psalm 22, verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And not only that, but his garments were divided. That was also a prophecy out of Psalm 22, verse 17 and 18. He says, I count all my bones. People look and stare at me. And they divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. When Jesus was hanging on this cross and he says, it is finished. All of the things that the Old Testament had said that look forward to the coming Messiah, those things were finished. Those things were accomplished. Those things were completed and fulfilled by the things that Jesus went through to get to the cross and while he hung on it. And that is good news that the things that the Bible says, the Bible is true. The promises that are there are true. What the Bible says will happen, will happen. And so when he's saying it is finished, those prophecies that were in the Old Testament were now coming true in the life of Jesus Christ. That's the second thing. The third thing that he's saying when he's saying it is finished is he's saying this, the old covenant is now replaced with a new covenant. The old covenant is replaced with a new one. The old covenant is replaced with a new one. And I have good news for us this morning. Uh, That new covenant, it involves anyone. The old covenant was just for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. But this new covenant is available to all who believe in the saving work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read you a scripture this morning out of Ephesians 2. And I want you to try to contain your excitement. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. This is good stuff. Here we go. Ephesians 2, 14 through 4 through 15, excuse me, says this. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespassings. You are saved by grace. Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcised by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without the Messiah, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without, without hope and without God in the world. Here's the good news, everybody. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah, for he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. Man, this, this is such a great scripture. I do not have time to unpack Ephesians 2. I wanted to read all of it for you this morning, but I, I trust that this week you would go, you, you would take some time to read Ephesians 2. There are so many good things in there for you to look at and for you to understand and to search out. And so I'd encourage you as you have some extra time, I would encourage you to go through Ephesians chapter two. There were some amazing things that popped up in there again that we've already talked about, that God had prepared us to do good works, that he had already planned beforehand. There's that foreknowledge again, that God knows everything. He sees everything. It talks about in here how God took the Israelites and how God takes the Gentiles, how he takes all of us and he creates one new man and that brings peace. Man, I'm telling you, you notice a thing when you begin to read God's word, you're gonna see these themes recurring over and over again, who God is, how great he is, how awesome he is, his omnipotence and his omnipresence and his omniscience. And we talked about those a few weeks ago, how he's all powerful and he's all knowing and he's everywhere all the time and that he's the God of peace. I mean, it keeps coming up. I'm not just picking these scriptures because they have the word peace in them. It's just there. It's a theme that continues to go because we know that John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have tribulation. You will have trial. You will have hard times, but be of good cheer. Put a smile on your face. Say, thank you, Jesus. When you go to him in prayer, say, thank you, Jesus. Be of good cheer for I, Jesus Christ, has overcome the world. Man, that is good news. I'm all by myself in here and I'm getting happy. So I hope you are too. Okay, Anna and, and Janice are back here too. They're running some stuff for me, but I feel like I'm by myself. They're looking at their screens, you know, and man, I, I'm excited about this. Guys, God is doing something in our lives right now, despite everything else going on around us. Uh, the fourth thing, it is finished. The fourth thing that Jesus is saying from the cross the, it is finished. The power of sin is finished once and for all. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. For Christ didn't enter the earthly version of the holy place. He entered the place itself and offered himself to God as the sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't do this every year as the high priest did under the old plan with blood that was not their own. If that had been the case, he would have had to sacrifice himself repeatedly throughout the course of history. But instead, he sacrificed himself once and for all, 
summing up all other sacrifices in this sacrifice of himself, the final solution of sin. Everyone has to die, die once, then face the consequences. Christ's death was a one, also a one-time event, but it was a sacrifice that took care of sins forever. And so when he next appears, the outcome for those eager to greet him is precisely salvation. You know, again, I don't have time to go through all of this and to talk about all of the things that are going on in this scripture. But I just told you a little bit ago that, that the old covenant now made way for the new covenant. Under the old covenant, the nation of Israel, in order, to be a, uh, in order for their sins to be forgiven on the day of atonement, the priests would have to, to sacrifice animals and, and go through all of this stuff. And, and then they would be able to, the, the sins of everybody would be forgiven by God. So every year, and this scripture makes reference to every year, right? Every year, sins would need to be forgiven. Every year, these sins would need to be forgiven. And so that day of atonement, that would happen in the old covenant, but under the new covenant, what Christ came to do, he died once for all. He died once for all. He doesn't have to die every year. He gave up his own life. That's why he's our sacrificial lamb. He went to the cross one time to satisfy our sins, to to be the solution. I love how that scripture says, the solution for our sins. That's what he did. He went to die once for all of humanity so that our sins, the things we've done wrong, the things that we have thought about that were wrong, the people that we've hurt, the mistakes that we've made, he carried those on himself. He took those to the cross. And when he said, it is finished, he said, hey, the power of sin and death is finished. It is no more. There is no power in that sin. It has no control over you any longer because Jesus Christ went to the cross and paid the ultimate price for our forgiveness, for our healing, for our wholeness. Jesus once and for all became the sacrificial lamb. And here's the good news. Our sins have been forgiven forever. Our slate has been wiped clean. The Bible says that it's lost in the sea of forgetfulness, that he removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west, that he counts our sins against us no more. He has forgiven us forever. Amen. Forever, freely, he has forgiven us. And so it is finished. The power of sin is finished once and for all. The fifth thing, see, we're almost done. Five out of six, we're getting there. The fifth thing, it is finished. Well, what is finished? The suffering of Jesus was finished. The storm is over. The worst is behind him. All of his pains and agonies are at an end and he's entering into the joy that is set before him. I love this. The suffering of Jesus was finished. The physical suffering, the agony, the, the, the mental suffering. The, the, it was all over. It was finished. And now he's entering into the joy that was set before him. Look at Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. This might be familiar to you. There is a song written about this scripture called, We Will Run. Therefore, since we also have such a large, large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne.
So the suffering of Jesus was finished. And we see in this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He ran to the finish line. He completed the work that God had set ahead for him. And he went through suffering and he went through trials, but he did it for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? To see you and I rescued, redeemed, and set free. You know, I told you that we have that song, we will run. That is kind of our anthem as far as our vision, that we will continue to run. And I want you to know we don't get to gather together week in and week out. I get that. But I want you to know that as a staff, we are still running. That as a church, we are still running. There is still a vision. There is still a mission ahead of us. And I want you to know that we don't need to be distracted by the things around us. God has a good plan for our lives. God has a good plan for this body. We are continuing to reach out to missionaries and we are continuing to send our support, our monthly financial support to over 20 missionaries every month. I believe that what God has called us as a body to do, we are not holding back. You might think, well, there's not as many activities, there's not as much stuff, but I want you to know we have plans in place to continue to move forward with the vision and the mission that God has for us. And when we are able to meet again together, we want to hit the ground running. I want you to know we are not backing off. We are not letting off on the gas. We are pushing forward with the vision and the mission that God has for this local body of believers. And the final thing, when Jesus said it is finished, he said the work of man's redemption and salvation is now complete. The work of man's redemption and salvation is now complete. Look at John 17. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. For you gave him authority over all flesh so he may give eternal life to all who have given him. All you have given him. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I've glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. So here we see the work of man's redemption and salvation is complete. He said this eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and know the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. The work was done. Mankind was redeemed and forgiven, and our relationship with God was restored. That's what Jesus came to this earth to do. And when he said, it is finished. He said the work of man's redemption is finished. I've bridged that gap between God and between his creation once again. The work that God had set him to do, Jesus Christ accomplished on that cross. Jesus understood his mission. His mission was to give us eternal life. His his mission was for us to know the one true God. And in his prayer to his father, he said that he wanted to glorify God. He wanted his life to shine a light for all to see the nature of who God is. And you and I, we too have a mission. Talked about it last week. We have a great commission. Our lives during this time can glorify God. 
I want you to hear me this morning. Our lives during this time can glorify God. You and I, we can shine a light. We can point to the nature of God, to his love and his compassion and the work that he did. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was beaten for our healing. He loves us. He cares for us. We can point toward him to those we come in contact with. When we have conversations with others, our conversations can leave people with hope and peace and joy, not because we're great in and of ourselves, but because we have a great God in us who loves us and we want to glorify him. So when everyone else is talking the doom and the gloom, we can speak peace. We can say, yeah, but our Jesus, our God gives us peace in the midst of the storm. And you can show them the scriptures that I read this morning morning, you can see a a theme all throughout these scriptures that we've been reading that you and I can point to God the Father in his nature, that he loves us, he cares for us, he has a good plan for all of us. Look at uh, this scripture, Philippians 1.6. It says, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. A work has been started in you and it will continue. God is faithful to finish what he started. God is faithful to finish what he started. And he started a good work in you. Like the scripture we read earlier, there are good works that he prepared long ago for you and I to do. And so those are the six things. And there's probably even more. It's not an exhaustive list, but those are some of the things that Jesus, when he said, it is finished, those are some of the things that he meant as he hung on that cross. And then finally, that's what he said. And then finally, what he did, he bowed his head. He willingly gave himself up as a ransom for many and paid the price for our forgiveness. Here's the thing. God laid upon him the iniquity, the sin of us all. And by bowing his head, he had taken the weight of our sin upon himself. Look at these scriptures in Psalm. Psalm 38, 4 says, for my sins have flooded over my head and they are a burden too heavy for me to bear. Psalm 40, verse 12 says, for troubles without number have surrounded me. My sins have overtaken me. I am unable to see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my courage leaves me. You know, I think this bowing of his head, when Jesus bowed his head, I think this shows his submission to his father's will and his obedience to the point of death. It shows the heaviness of our sin weighing on Jesus Christ, that he took our punishment. We talked last week about how he was forsaken, how God the Father turned his back on his son. He carried the weight of all of our wrongdoings. And so he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955- 6222